Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. The mortgage now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Well, hello. Hello, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being with us today. It is another live show. Got myself here with Dan Podesto. Dan limping into the studio today. Yeah, I noticed that, Dan. What's up? Well, I think a couple shows ago we talked about what our goals were for the new year, and one of mine was to get basketball, <laughs> get basketball going in my life again. Be more active. <laughs> and uh, turns out that last Saturday I aggravated a... Well, I, I created a little problem in, in my left ankle, and then um, thinking that it wasn't a big deal, I played again on Tuesday and hurt it even more, and so now I officially have a sprained ankle. Nice. And uh, like a real one where I have to wrap it in an ace bandage, not just like my ankle turned over and it doesn't feel good and I can walk it off. This is a, this thing hurts all the time kind of sprained ankle. You used the elevator coming up this morning, didn't you? I didn't. I walked up uh, the stairs. You know, I was. I have a friend who's a, a podiatrist, and he offered me a walking boot. And I'm, yeah, I just, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to walk around in a walking boot. Walking boot. <laughs> yeah. I'll Did he laugh when he offered you a walking boot? No, I think he's just being, being sincere. And I think what I think what you want is chondroitin. What's that? It's just the thing that the supplement you take to make your joints feel better <laughs> when, you're, when you're old. Yeah, you know, it's part of the Centrum Silver package. Are to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, man. You make I a just... great one. Pick it up at Costco. It's called Move Free, Dan. And it'll think... keep you mobile through your late age. I think my little jumper muscle in my calf got sore, and um, and I just need to work it out a little more once it gets better. So I'm doing the old rice thing, you know, rest, ice, compression, elevate. There you go. And uh, we'll see how it goes yeah, in a week just, or two. Just make you sick, though, that when you see your kids making all these little moves that you can't do, it's like, why can't I do that? Um, I mean, you know what? My kids like, haven't beat me at anything yet, so I'm okay. I'm okay yeah, with it. When they start like, beating me at stuff, then I'll I'll have the okay. that, you know. <laughs> that issue, that old, it's I'm, like I'm too old to be with their legs and stuff like that that they can't, you can't do. And oh like, yeah. Oh man. Trying seriously. To, I'm trying to think if I've been beat by my kids at anything yet. <laughs> yeah, I have. I got beat by Trey at something. Maybe you at golf. No, not golf yet. Cornhole or something like that. Uh, and he was so happy. <laughs> I beat you fair and square. Yeah. Go to your room. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is a weird dynamic, though. Yeah. Well, what Dan and I were talking about this earlier this week with little kids, you know, like picture your little toddler and 
got the wiffle ball bat and you got the wiffle ball and so you go on bended knee and you oh yeah you toss it you toss it real soft underhand and like the most ideal way you can you're you're really you want them to succeed right um but that's how the the interaction with your child doing you know sports and things like that's where it begins. And then oh, as they get a little bit older and a little bit um, wiser and a little bit better, um, you know, you start you throw it overhand now and you can yeah. kind of whip it in there and then they can hit it and then you know. But one day they start bragging at you, you know, <laughs> oh, I can hit your stuff, old man. And so that's when you wing them a curveball, you know. And then you laugh at well, them. Well, now when I'm they going can. for the strikeout. Yeah, <laughs> right. Now I'm going to try to strike you out because you got a cocky little attitude, and you need to be humbled up. Yeah. Yes, I was born in the 1900s, but I can still compete. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing about that developmentally, you know, working through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, my my younger son is getting all into chess now. Oh, so they're. Um, He's not even close to being able to beat me at chess. I played many a game of chess when I was younger. But that's fun. And I think about that. Like that that first time that your kid beats you at something like chess. That's <laughs> that's a lot, right? You gotta it be is. ready for that. Yeah. It's a moment of like pride and you know, the handing of the baton. You gotta be a little upset too, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that natural? Yeah. There's some people out there that don't have a competitive bone right now that are listening. Goes, what's wrong with these guys? <laughs> I don't like. It's not to what lose. I mean. It's not what I mean. It's a whole thing. Uh, so I got a, I got us a guest coming on today, Dan. And I saw in your email you sh- sold us short a little bit. You said that in April we're going to be on the radio for ten years. We're going to be on the radio for eleven years in April. Is that right? Eleven years. We started in 2008. Is that right? Yeah. My bad. You know what else has happened since 2008? Oh, wow. A lot. A lot. Our, Shall we run down the list? <laughs> I, I, was, I have a very <clears throat> narrow idea of what, we were gonna, how that, what was going to follow uh, that statement. I was going to be like, well, let's see. Uh, that was that Ben Affleck first broke up with. Let's see. Yeah. My oh. Facebook book picture sure has gotten older. What else is going on in 10 years? 11 years. Um our company, Central Coast Lending, has slowly climbed its way to be the number, what did I say, three? Number three purchase lender in by volume in the county. One purchase, one home purchase behind number two. Who was number two? Company, a wholesale company. Someone from out of the area. Yeah, they're a East Coast-based wholesale mortgage company. Is number one... I mean, Wells Fargo, right? So then this is the, this is why I'm the marketing department, Dan, or at least I get a seat at the table. Mm. The number one independently owned yes. local lender in go. all of Slow County. That's right. Dang. That's right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What else? Tell me something else great about us today. Uh, that, that was the, I, I bring in, I try to bring in one great thing a day and, uh, and that was it for today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Wes sent me this, uh, I'm on Wes's little email, you know, like the auto, auto blast thing that goes out probably obviously part of the marketing thing that just keeps you 
in communication. And he sent me this year in um, clip from Slow County. It was like a, you know, kind of aggregating some of the year in data since it's the end of the year, just an opportunity to kind of take the recap. And I threw it into the folder that I usually keep it for, and then I missed it for the last few weeks. But I did want to share it because I thought it was interesting and obviously relevant to the show. Um, the median home price for single family homes in Slow County. Um, increased 7.8% from 2017. So the year, the total year appreciation over the prior was almost 8% for Slow County. Was that existing, new, or all that's, residential? That's all but only single families, single right? Family, so you wouldn't be tying condos. in... Yeah, no condos, no fourplexes, threeplexes, manufactured okay. homes. Okay. But I would argue that in our county, that's not a lot of the business anyway. Right. I understand, actually, that you know there's a fair amount of condos, um, but especially some of the newer stuff. Man, right here around the radio station has really kind of come to life lately. There's a lot of new condo projects that have gone in, and um, this is Capistrano, right? This Sacramento, Sacramento. is the out front. Yeah. Sacramento. When you drive down <coughs> Sacramento, if you come um, over there from Orchid, is it Orchid or Laurel? I know it changes at the hip at the railroad Laurel station. Laurel to Orchid, yeah. This is, this is going really well for me, right? right. I don't know the yeah. names of anything. Right but over anyways, there by the train tracks. When you take yeah. that cruise through town here, you, there's a lot more um, condos around. And it Definitely. looks pretty fancy. Yeah. In fact, that whole first stretch of sacramento street there there's a number of um you know less than i'd, I'd say what five to ten year old condominium projects yeah. there that really they've they have made that area what was once really unattractive and barren really nice vibrant part of well when i was now. when i was at cal poly um for those that don't know i graduated from cal poly with a bachelor's in city and regional planning so that was my um my almost life. And when we we had a project at Cal Poly that was built towards um, when the city was redoing a, their housing element, we got to, I think it was more for the exercise, but it was like walk this parcel and make a sort of a proposed land use element for this parcel over here. And I'm kind of looking and pointing out the window right now, but that anyways, that area over there was a big field. Part of it kind of marshy, but just a real big field and tucked. Obviously, there was the couple of pieces that are developed today that we knew were that were developed at the time. Like the there's a manufactured home park over there at the mm -hmm. intersection. You know, anyways, there's some stuff over there, but um, it was a lot of open space. And my how different it looks today as it's all been infilled. Yeah, uh, you know, I say all. It's mostly infilled at this point. So yeah, San Luis Obispo County had a 7.8% year-over-year appreciation. The Santa Maria um, home price increased 5% over the same period. Um, in Slow County for 2018, there was slightly fewer homes, almost equal, that sold in 18 versus 17. Um, couple of other things here just tied to it. The average days on market decreased um it was 56 days on market in 2017 it went down to 55 days in 2018 mm. um and at the end of the year there's four months worth of supply meaning that if homes 
were sold at the, you know, based on the inventory we have, we would sell out of them at this pace in four months. So still a tight market supply-wise in Slow County. The California Association of Realtors have forecast that the median home price in 2019 will go up 3.1%, acknowledging a 7% increase statewide in 2018. So it's still going to go up this year. You know what else was really funny? I was I knew I could just Google this real quick, so I'm going to do it. Um, I saw an article on Yahoo Finance this week that said um, housing, the housing market may have bottomed. <laughs> no kidding. Really? Yeah, I'm going to read you the headline. This is a real new article? Do I need to point my laptop at you so that you can know that I'm not kidding? This is on Yahoo Finance. It ran on January 17th, so literally two days ago. And the title in big, black, bold font says, The slowing U.S. housing market may have finally bottomed. And I love... Let's talk about this whole headline for a second. Um, slowing, it's arguable, but I'll give you that because that's not that's they not must a really mean just units sold because we know due to lack of inventory, there's less units selling. But I wouldn't associate that with a slow market. That's a market that's thirsting for more units, right? The next word that I want to talk about is the word finally. And when you go and you say that it may have finally, that's like that may ha- it may have finally, may have finally what? I'm already rolling my eyes at you. It's possibly finally after all this exhaustion of waiting for the thing. It may have finally bottomed. Oh, Wow, okay. The slowing U.S. housing market may have finally bottomed. I'll bite. So they get their click, man. I'll give them that. So I read this thing. After a months-long slowdown. A month. (laughs) Finally. Finally. Finally, after a month. Of slowing. And just how slow are you going to get? It's been 28 days. (laughs) Um, Wow. So then it may have finally bottomed. We're seeing signs of a rebound. From the month slowdown? The head of economics at Renaissance Macro Research. Man, and now you know who they are because you clicked the article. I never knew who they were. (laughs) And I read this stuff every day. Um, Here's their first sighting, though, of some some stats as to why. 13.5% 13.5% increase in loan applications for the week ending in January 11th. So that's a pretty good pop. Uh, we do track nationally. We track new loan applications. It's an indicator of activity. I think it's also an indicator of people's willingness to be involved in the market. And um, But did it bottom... Um, because of these new loan apps. Well, there's also been a pretty pretty good little dip in the interest rates in the last four weeks here. 
Um, so that probably could have a bit to do with it, right? You're if people are out talking about, hey, interest rates are down. Is there a way that you could refi and do yourself one better? But also, this is probably more true in new home, like new home sales. But imagine there's attractive new homes sitting over there. And imagine you own a house or you're in a rental situation that you're not horribly offended by. You're like, I'm okay. Those new houses are nice. It'd be nice to have a new house, right? Who doesn't want a brand new house? Um, and so you go check it out. And you walk it and you think about it. And you're like, yeah, this is cool. I could do it. But you're not over the moon about it. You look at the math and the interest rate's five and a quarter. And you're like, oh, you, you know, I see that's X amount of dollars a month. And then a short few weeks later, the interest rate's at four and five eighths. And you're like, dang. The price of that home didn't change, but my payment just dropped by 250 bucks a month or something like that. Would that be the shot in the arm to get you to go buy it? Maybe. Maybe. It feels a little bit unlikely. I always, I always struggle with understanding how a 13.5% bump in application just happens because interest rate went down a little bit. Refis? I think it's refis. It's That's a, refi business. It's a lion's share of refis. <clears throat> I sure. know. I'm just trying to craft a scenario for you where you might be a purchase customer that looks at this and says, yeah, yeah. I think we, we've heard it enough from realtors. I, I believe it. Um, purchases are not driven by interest rate movement. Purchases are driven by changes that are occurring in someone's life. Usually there's a job change, you know, some kind of promotion or relocation. There's... A family union being formed, a family that's growing. There's something like that that's happening that's that's the catalyst for purchasing a home. Chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. These guys may have written this backward, unless I'm crazy. They wrote National Realtor Association. That's the NRA? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was NAR. It is. The National Association of Realtors. That's right. Huh, funny. This article's not great. (laughs) So anyways, it says that buyers will want to take advantage of the lower rates, now 4.5% compared to just 5% last month. Uh, That's not entirely true. And there's no APR on that. That's not a legal way to go dropping interest rate stuff around here. Um, And he says, though, past historical... Uh, relationships suggest around 200,000 additional home sales as a result over the course of the year. So the lower rates will result in more people selling. Um, and maybe same kind of thing. If you were, if you thought about selling your house because you were dissatisfied with it, um, but maybe you had a rate that's 4% and you're like, why am I going to buy and go get five? Um, if, if that's softened a bit by a decline in rates, maybe you'd be more inclined to, to hop in, sell your house and buy a new house. Maybe. maybe. Um, there, then they use this quote from Wells Fargo that says there have been a handful of anecdotal, uh, anecdotal reports that buyer traffic has revived a bit now that mortgage rates have fallen. Um, adding that sentiment on the housing market is currently too pessimistic. Hmm. The irony of using that quote inside this headline, I think, also is great. Um, Price growth, this is their next bullet point. Price growth has been slowing for the past six months. Um, Yeah. True. Agreed. 
Agreed. And we also believe it's going to slow throughout this year. You uh, might but even... again, you're talking about the rate of growth reducing. It, it's not the same thing of the value of the thing falling. Right. Right? It's just that it's appreciating at a slower pace. It's not going down in value. Right. So that doesn't feel like something I'm finally waiting for. Um, and hasn't it been steadily going down since, I don't know, 2010, 11, 12? Yeah, when we were having 14% a year appreciating. Yes. 20%. Yes, David yeah, has. When people were taking rock-bottom deals. and Thankfully it has, <laughs> because otherwise homes would be worth one and a half a million right, right. now, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and then this point, I think, is a good one. Um, home sales data for November and December have not been released to the partial government shutdown. That's true. We also have now been, due to the government shutdown, we're missing um, permits and starts data, which is also always a, a, yeah, it's an indicator, but I think it also helps people gauge those things and feel the confidence or not of the pros, right? Mm -hmm. And if you could feel what the masses are doing, are they cozying up to doing, um, you know, still breaking grounds on new tracks at a pace that's exceeding last month? I'm probably not going to be the one that's like last on and buying the house at the top of the market. Mm -hmm. So I think that stuff missing from the market doesn't help. Um, I'm not sure to the average home buyer that it that it hurts, but I don't think it helps the broader sentiment out there. Um, so anyhow, um, that was the click. I fell sucker, um, but I wanted you all to know, according to Yahoo Finance. The housing market may have finally bottomed. And it bottomed at only, in its prior year, gaining almost 8% appreciation in California. Right. That was a great bottom. So here's looking forward, babe. We're going to get 10, 12, 14% again next year since we've bottomed, right? You have to get, you got to get up and above that. Oh, my gosh. All right, let's do break time. Uh, take some time out here for the sponsors. Go grab a fresh cup of coffee. Do whatever you got to do. I'm going to go see if our guest is out in the green room. Um, I got a solar dude coming in. Talk Amazing. some solar stuff. Cool. So, right on. Yeah, we're going to do our quick break here. Take some time to thank the sponsors. Remember, guys, if it wasn't for these companies, you'd have to pay to listen. So uh, we're thrilled to have them. And we'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Or three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk nine twenty. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending, and I want to thank you for supporting us these past 11 years. We have helped thousands of local residents buy and refinance homes here on the Central Coast, and we couldn't have done it without you. We are sincerely grateful and look forward to serving you for many years to come. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328-358. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328. Three five eight. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Through seven presidential administrations, Bull and Bear... Welcome back. The uh, nice pick, Jim. I don't know if you ever brought us back with Queen before. I don't believe so. Did you guys go see this movie? Oh, I did. It was great. It was really good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, he had Freddie Mercury down at. I thought. Yeah. yeah the, the and did I? Played. I wanted to look it up, but I guess I forgot. Was the actor that played Freddie Mercury? Was that his real teeth? I don't know if they put in an implant. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Just a Freddie Grills. <laughs> Is this a Freddie Grills? You just stick that in there. I have no idea. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well. <laughs> All right. Um, That's the first time I've been asked that question. Were those his real teeth? I have no, no clue. Hmm. I went to the movies last night. And um, I won't tell you what I saw. We'll leave that to the uh, theater of the mind. But I did see a preview for Rocket Man. That looks pretty cool. It's the like Elton John mm-hmm. rockumentary that's coming out. Oh, okay, that looks good. Yeah, yeah. I probably want to see that. Maybe I'll play an Elton John coming back from the next. Oh, look at you, Rocket Man! Yeah. Even. Yeah, Where do you know. get your inspiration from, Jim? Jason, you, sometimes you just say things that just... 
All right, so we got a guest here for this middle hour of the show. I'm quite excited about it. We got Mike Belford on. Um, Solar consultant. I like it. Uh, AM Sun Solar is the company. And um, I've known you, Mike, for a little while. So try not to be too nervous. Just picture just a couple guys talking. You'll do fine. Good morning. Good morning to you. So uh, the the topic of solar, um, Dan Dan was mentioning solar this morning. Read an article again about... Um, yeah, I don't know if it was new or a recycled article, but I saw that something about, you know, the Tesla... Uh, tile roof, solar tile roof thing, and it looked pretty cool. I read Changing an article about Tesla yesterday. Thing. Yeah, that yeah, they're, they're laying off a bunch laying of off a ton of people, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> scaling it back a little bit. Um, I saw that too. It's normal though, right? Sure. Um, growing, shifting, changing company. Yeah, and if you're growing, it's probably not uncommon to over overshoot your your growth a little bit and then have to trim back i would expect that in a company that employs i mean how many people do they employ now oh gosh thousands i would imagine it's like forty thousand. yeah something. yeah or more a little bigger than am we'll have sun. To look it up yeah <laughs> not much but how many people are at am sun solar we're a little over 50 right now headcount locally owned Locally owned. Uh, we were born in, well, founded in 2001 in Atascadero. And uh, in the last couple of years, we had to relocate to Paso Robles to get a much bigger facility. Because yeah, the limited... last few years, our growth has been pretty explosive. That's awesome. So 50 employees and from Atascadero. That's pretty exciting. Um, so many things I want to tell you. Because I got some solar on my house, as you know. My experience, I think, is a valuable one to, to knuckleheads like me that have trouble just accepting and listening. Um, but also, um, I think a good one just for people to have some experience. But I, I wanted to also, let's start here. Because um, the solar thing, so in, in home loan world, um, people need a house or they don't, right? And they buy the thing and or they refinance the thing and it's usually just based on the financial um you know does it make sense or not can you afford it or not especially if you're refinancing is the cost versus the benefit of doing it worth it um and so i think that's probably one of the fundamental jumping off points for solar right i think i think so that's the lens that most people are looking through yeah i mean some people are are motivated more by the you know the greater good or the environmental aspect of it but really even even the most environmentally minded people when they look at solar they're looking through the lens of finance well it matters sure it's funny when you said that because when i was a kid i remember my dad uh, my dad always was always yelling at us to turn off lights right <laughs> everybody had that experience right right do you yeah. do that anymore uh i do oh good and i remember my dad saying you know even if cuz i this may come as a shock to you guys, but there was times in my childhood where I could be a, like a smart mouth kid, you know? No mm. way. Yeah. Mm. And so I'd <laughs> be like, if I, you know, can I just flip you a nickel and have you stop yelling kind of thing? And my dad would say things like, even if I was rich, I wouldn't want you just destroying the environment and running the planet into an early grave because you just can't turn off a light. Okay. Dad, got it. Just turn it off. Uh, anyhow. Um, yeah, I still like lights turned off in my house. I what? think, um, yeah, and I think it's ingrained in me by my father. And even though I have solar, and so I think technically those lights are part of my, um, you know, 
it was the energy budget before that I've zeroed out with the purchase of my solar. Um, I still think it's important to turn the lights off in a room where you're not in there. It is. It's funny. When people <laughs> go solar, that's probably the first thing that happens is they start to think, well, you know, I just made a, a big investment <laughs> in electricity. I'm going to leave everything on all the time. Yeah, I don't have to conserve <laughs> anymore. But, uh, and then the end of the year comes and they have a true-up bill and yeah, maybe we should have conserved or maybe we should add more solar. Well, truth be told, though, I think that oftentimes um, we're – we're pretty predictable creatures the way we live. That's why I think if you're looking at a year's worth of your solar or your electric bills, figure out what your solar needs is, probably going to get pretty darn close. You live the same way. Over a course of a year, you shower the same amount of times a week on average, right? You lights, run the blender, use the electric oven to bake that pizza or whatever. You're doing pretty predictable things over a period that long. So just because you get solar, it's hard for me to believe that your lifestyle is going to alter all too much. Unless you had a major appliance like a hot tub or an electric vehicle totally. or, or something like that. But you're right. I mean, it, it. I can pretty much take the last 12 months of somebody's electrical usage data and design a custom system that will give exactly the amount of electricity they'll need year over year. I tend, I do though, that said, I tend to size them up a little bit, maybe go 110% uh, of the last year's consumption because... Uh, American households tend to use more over time. We just have more gizmos. The gizmos themselves are becoming more efficient. They use less electricity per gizmo, if you will, but we just have more and more of them all the time. I was thinking about that last night when I was looking at my big old flat screen TV. Not the one in the bedroom, the one in the living room. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I say that tongue in cheek, but it's true. I'm the guy who doesn't own a TV. But those, how much are those things sucking down? <laughs> Quite a bit. Well, it depends. You know, there's, uh, you can have different modes, smart modes. Some are more efficient than others. So you know, there's a lot of variables there, but my, it's, a, my it's TV, My TV in my living room. Um, and don't be all uppity on me that you don't even own a TV, Mike. <laughs> don't TV shame me because I, over I don't have, I don't have um, cable or satellite. So there. I'm I'm a hybrid guy. I got TV. I got a big old TV so that I can watch like, you know, important documentaries with my kids. Uh, well, uh, I actually, good for you. Let me get out my quill and make a note to remember that. I was going to say my well my we'll probably get to this, but my my cousin lives out in Creston on kind of a ranch yard kind of thing. Yeah. And has like a water pump on the property and all sure. that stuff. Just uh switch the house over to solar make a big a difference so. on a big well pump huge difference yeah and of course he's got teenagers living at home too so there's all that going on leaving lights on everywhere yeah. they go trust so, me they are so yeah. you know it's just uh i i mean i brought i mean his bill was like a thousand or more dollars a month or something yeah. that was because right. of the water pumps and stuff like that that's and not uncommon for a rural property and if now you're pumping water yeah, yeah now it's down like I don't know, $25 or $30 a month or something. I brought it down significantly. That's awesome. A lot. Most people, we can get them down to about 10 bucks a month. Uh, and I say about 10 bucks a month because you still have to pay a daily fee for the privilege of being connected to the grid and, and for the use of their meter, PG&E's uh, electric meter. So it's like 38 and a half cents a day. So on a, on a short month, it's a little less than 10, but right around 10 bucks a month. And, and then at the end of the year, our goal is to have that true up bill be essentially zero. Yeah. Who so, does this true? I've I've never heard of the true up bill before. 
Who, does that come from the solar company or from PG&E itself? It comes from PG&E. Um, the way solar works for residential power is that you go on what's called a, a net energy metering plan with PG&E. And uh, what that does, it, it, the reason it's structured that way is because they know that solar, uh, you don't make very much solar in the winter and you make an awful lot in the summer. So you really need to look at the whole year to see what the usage versus the production would be. So at the one-year anniversary of the day you got permission to operate the system originally, you'll get a, a statement from PG&E that says, oh, we're truing up here. So if you used a little bit more power than you made, then you owe them a little, and the opposite is true as well. So there's kind of like a, an account balance, if you will, of, of the energy produced versus the energy used, and you, you're producing more than you're using at certain parts of the year and using more than you're producing at others. That's right. And so you, you still get a monthly bill. That says here, send us nine dollars and sixty eight cents or whatever it is. Uh, and if true up were to occur today, you would Here's owe my us true up. Is Here's there ever a refund? Oh, you Do you ever get refunded because you made more than you used the whole year? You, they can. Uh, you can have a surplus with with them, but it's rare to get a refund. First of all, you they don't pay you very much for the power you make in excess of of what you use if you want it in cash it's very uh, very low like three and a half cents a kilowatt hour or something versus say twenty eight and a half cents a kilowatt hour what it's worth on a trade basis I see. so really when you've got solar you're when you're producing more power than you're using you're uh feeding it back to the grid and the grid is basically acting as your battery. Most okay. people don't have batteries in their system or in their home. The grid is acting as your battery. So you're, you're banking it with PG&E, and that power really is not going all the way back to the grid. It's really going to the next closest demand, like your neighbor's place. So yeah. it's a very efficient way to make power compared to you know, having somebody burn some you know, natural gas in Utah and send it over high-tension wires where half of it's lost on the way. Hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like one of the things that I would have gotten had I worked with a company like yours, and really the deal is that Mike and I didn't know each other when I did my solar a little over a year ago. And so um, I wish we had I things that weren't very clear to me. So the path that I did it by was um, using a friend who is a licensed electrician that had some solar experience, and um, he, you know, it could had the full ability to do a solar system from design to build out all on his own, was confident in doing it. And um, so what I lacked in that was this dude's really an electrician, right? He's not a solar guy. So at the end of the day, I have a lot of questions about PG&E and how that worked. And so, for example, my PG&E thing goes live, right? They're like, they've accepted my solar. Um, it's on. It's final. The whole, they're like, okay, you're up. Now, which plan do you want? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean, which plan? Well, there's two plans you could do, and there's like this peak usage plan. There's this other plan, and um, I don't dislike PG&E. I, I tried to sort this out because I'll tell you straight away, like Charter, if there was some voodoo doll of Charter that you could injure, I might. I don't like <laughs> Charter as a company. They're awful, right? Um there's a monopoly there. I just don't like them. I look at the thing like, so PG&E is a bit of a monopoly too, right? But also don't feel like I don't like them. I think I don't love the thing because you just, you pay this bill all the time um, that only goes up over time. You know, it's like my no bill choice. never, you know, there's no choice. I just yeah. get, yeah. And then, and then they're like, oh, and you were in tier four. So we're just, we're just doubling down on you. You owe us even more money now. And I'm like, 
I didn't try to go tier four, you guys. I got these three kids that won't turn off the lights. They're jumping in <laughs> mud puddles. I'm doing laundry all day, every day. Just, you know, all these things. So anyway, it's... I feel like I don't not like PG. It's not the same thing like with Charter. I, I don't like them. Um, so, anyways, but you're on the phone with PG&E. I'm like, well, can you explain it to me? I don't know. Oh, it's got solar. <laughs> My answer is easy. It's the cheaper one. I want the one that costs me less money. Because I just did this <laughs> for switching our office location in Paso Robles, which we're going to be doing this weekend, setting up new servers. Like, well, which plan do you want? The one that costs the least amount of money. I want electricity that costs the least. That's the one I want. And they're not really in a position to uh, help you with that. <laughs> well, so well, I describe our usage, and then they're like, oh, you want this one? Yeah, that's the one I want. I want the one that costs the least amount of money. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, so we had some questions about it that I felt like I wasn't really satisfied with my answers, and maybe I should ask you if I'm even on the right one. We can talk later. I'm, you know, I'll buy you lunch or something. I'll be happy to look at it. Um so anyways, what ended up happening, I just went through my year-end true-up, and I didn't owe anything. It was Isn't that sweet? It was zeroed yeah. out, which was cool. Um, I thought I was always going to be charged, like, it's like ten thirty-eight a month or something, right, for that grid connection fee. Um, yet then there was months, like I, yesterday I asked my wife, I said, well, how come the PG&E bill this month was $1.31? And... She was like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, I don't care because it was supposed to be 10 bucks. I'm not trying to call and give them nine more dollars. If they messed up, that's fine. Um, but I'll tell you what. I, so I just finished my first year of solar, and I want to tell you about um, what happened in my life that I think is pretty good feedback. Uh, I'll start by saying, have you guys seen that, um, the can I turn on the heater flow chart yet? <laughs> it's an <laughs> yeah. internet phenomenon. It's like... Um, you know, the flow charts, it's like a yes, no, and it leads you to another block. Um, so it's like, you know, can I turn on the heater? And the first one's like, um, you know, are you dressed? And if it's no, then get dressed. And if it's yes, then it's like, are you wearing a hoodie? And if it's no, go put on a hoodie. And if it's yes, um, then do you have a blanket? He goes down and say, like the final question is basically, can you see your breath? And I, I just thought that that was super funny because um, I get accused of kind of being that way at home. Um, Dan recently set the heater for the girls in our Atascadero office. I got tired of walking in on the heat blasting at 75 degrees. I, it just seemed excessive to me. It was hard to breathe. We got some... It was that kind of... It was so warm coming out of the vent that it was hard to breathe, and it instantly made me want to curl up and take a nap. So the pro, <laughs> the programming is no good on the thing, right? And so what was happening was um, this is a concrete floor office, and it's not a huge office. It's 1,400 square feet or something like this. Um, but we have a couple ladies in there who um, don't like to be cold. And when they get there in the morning... It can be pretty cold in a Tascadero overnight, right? Um, so th in order to chase that chill out of the air, you got to turn the puppy up, right? So anyhow, um, Dan set it up to where it would come on before I set a schedule. they arrived. I set yeah. a schedule on the thermostat. That would come on before. Starts 15 minutes before people arrive. Gets it up to a nice, comfortable 68 degrees. And then it's there all day. It's yeah. great. And then it drops back down at night. And Dan doesn't go to that office during the week. So I got a lot of, like, freezing face emojis sent to me. <laughs> and so then I sent back little, like, coat and mitten emojis to people. And so we're having a little 
Is there a suck it up emoji? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the perfect story. So in my house, this this is so Dan one up to me with here. Somebody wearing a sweater in <laughs> right, the office. Right. Dan Dan one up to me here, but so I got solar right, and so we live in Atascadero, and. Um, I know people are all over the board because I've talked to my friends about this, right? So if you ask Dan, Dan's on this part of the spectrum where some people are going to be like, you are crazy. I feel like for me, um, I've been accused of being crazy mainly by my wife and her friends. But then I have some other friends like my friends from Texas that say that's insane. Here's the deal. So in the summertime, you know, and Mike, you live in North County, so you know, it's true. <laughs> In the summertime, you open all the windows at night, right? And you let the house cool off from the inside out the best you can. When you wake up in the morning, you shut everything down. And it, depending on your insulation and stuff, you make it so far through the day. And if you're not there or whatever, sometimes you can make it the whole day just based on that routine without needing air conditioning, right? And then there's those days where it's hot and you get inside and it's, it's hot outside, and now it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You come in, and it's 82 inside, and everything's shut down, so it's stuffy, and there's no air moving, and fans are just moving uh. hot, stuffy air around. And so you're like, I need air conditioning. So I turn on the air conditioning. And so mine's never really just set, right? I don't want it coming on all the time because I may not be there. Um, or if you're about to leave, like you don't cool your house down because you're leaving for the night, right, to right. go out to dinner and a movie or something. Um, and on those super hot days, sometimes you'll consider going to a movie instead of, I could sit here and I could run my air. I can go to the movies to take advantage of group air in there. So anyways, that's that whole thing of how you manage being, I think in the North County or any climate where AC is a part of life. Um, so what I would do is on those days where it got real hot and we were going to be there and stuff, I'd set that, um, the thermostat usually to 78 and that's enough to make it unmiserable. Um, but it's not great. Uh, and that would raise the electric bill, you know, not going to lie. Just running that thing was enough where it's like, well, if I got to run that thing, you know, 20 or 30 days out of the next 50 or 60 days here, I'm going to be paying more. And I'm already with our large family, I'm already in the top tier. So I'm already getting a $300 power bill. So I start running the air, air conditioner. I could get four, five, six hundred dollar power bill and I just don't want to do that. It feels I can afford it, but it's f- super frustrating and it feels wasteful and I'd rather just not do that. So Yeah, if you get into the gross user category, meaning that you're uh, a certain percentage above your baseline, then power gets really expensive per kilowatt hour. Yeah, well it's, and now they run you on peak thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I fall right into this trap because I have three kids in school. Everybody gets home at three. And um, that that's when we have things that we need to do around the house, right? We got lights on to be doing homework, but also we're doing laundry and we're vacuuming and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we're definitely peak using during those peak hours. Um, but so since I got solar, the funny thing was um, we ended up with – I was like, well, now that I have solar, I'll I'll just – agree for a month that I'll just turn it on more often, right? Instead of toughing it out, I'll just turn it on more often. And felt a little risky, you know, because I built the thing based on our usage. So, I mean, I oversized it by about 10%, but I built it for my usage. So it's like, well, if we really change our usage, we're going to end up really having a problem. 
Well, it looks like it worked out for you. You got your true up bill, and, and uh, there yeah. was no damage there. So bottom line is, um, what I learned was um, in those summer months where we are using air conditioning more, the jacuzzi, which is a big draw, um, is using a lot less. Right. And so those two sort of negated each other on that on that um, the annual usage. They do that, yeah. And I, um, I mean, I, I take I look at everybody's power on a daily basis. And up in the North County, if you were to to plot the monthly usage on a curve, which I do every time, um, you know, it kind of looks like a handlebar mustache, where the the summer months are peaked way higher than the you know, spring and the fall months, which are very low. Right. And then the the shortest days, like the December, January, it peaks up a little bit because you're using more lights and everything else. Right. Um, so we got to a point where by like August and September, August, I was just turning it on more. And I was like, man, we're producing so much power. It was like 40 kilowatts or something a day. And um, I was like, that's amazing. And by the way, some days this last week were like four kilowatts a day. But so um, we were using it more. And then come September, I was like, you know what? And we had some hot days in September. I started turning the thing down to 74. I felt like it was running a lot. But I was like, check this out. I'm not, I can't see my breath in the living room, but this is really comfortable on a hot day. Um, and like I said, man, she hit zero. So I was pretty pumped about that. Is like really changing. Um, what, you know, kind of figuring out how to use the the system and also to trust that it's doing what it's doing. But to yeah, to get down to the end of the year and not owe anything is it's a pretty awesome feeling. Um, especially, I read this article this week that PG and E is looking for bankruptcy protection. Yeah, that's the big news. Um, they're they're going to be entering into bankruptcy p- protection. We don't know what that's going to mean. I don't think it's going to mean a whole lot for existing solar customers like yourself. I mean, you're just going to keep trudging along the way you have. I can't imagine that there will ever not be a utility. Mm-hmm. I it, will. I will say that during this past storm, I mean, PG needs just had a lot of problems with their equipment. Yeah. But this this past storms, like I had power outage at my house, and um, I was out of town, but I came back and the uh, alarm clock was flashing, and all, well, I heard that there was like. Um, explosion in a transformer near my house mm-hmm. yeah and, and it happens fire, all the time fire crews came out and everything well i heard that that was how that that fire down in ventura ended up that was the yeah. culprit and then to make matters worse after the initial one happened they shut down grid around it for fear that it was um going to be more widespread and what taking that part of the grid offline took some well pumps down that would have been able to assist in battling the fire at its origin but those are some of the basis of why PG&E needs to look for bankruptcy protection, right? They've got this issue of it's those payouts for those massive, massive liabilities, right? And wouldn't um, it be cheaper to just bury all those lines and than to pay, have all these big catastrophic issues that take lives and cost tons of money? Well, at the same time, though, like look, let's look forward a hundred years. Um, do you really think that we're all going to be like, I kind of feel like power lines now are almost like the string telephone. Our grid was designed 60 years ago. Yeah. And we really didn't, you know, know what kind of usage was going to be that far in the future at that sure, time. Sure. So, you know, I think, 
I, I'm not one of those solar guys who, who uh, spends a lot of time bashing pg and There's some great people over there, and we have a good working relationship sure. with them. But the bottom line, I think, in all of this is that rates have all, electricity rates have always gone up. And it's we, about 5% a year, right? 5 to 6% per year if you look at the last 50 years. So let, let's talk about me then. Is I did um, – I had a $300 a month electric bill. And so going forward for 20 years, I should expect that it's going to go up 5% a year on average, right? Compounding. Right. Every year over a 20-year period. So so in, in return, what I did was I built a solar system that zeroes it out based on my use. Um, you know, I think I have like a four-year break-even period or something for the investment that I made in it, four or five years, whatever. Um, and then, but after that, it's not going up anymore, Right. Well, you're making your own power. You don't care how much they're charging for power because you're not buying it from them. You're banking it with them. So whatever the retail rate is when you're feeding it to them is what you're getting credited for. So you're essentially immune to any rate increases by having gone solar. That's the real power in it. So looking forward 20 years, so there's a, there's some – we're about to get forced out of the break here. But, but what I want to hone in on, I think we should talk about this after the break, there's a cost of doing nothing. Right. Oh, absolutely. If you just say, you know what, my my bill's not that much. It's ninety bucks a month, and I don't really care. It's not that much. There's a cost to doing that going forward. So there's a cost of just doing nothing at all. And then there's a way to calculate what a cost is if you get solar, um, and you know, kind of figure out what your financial incentives are for doing so. So. Um, you know. We lay it all out in every proposal. We, we look at all those things and spell it right out for our clients. Interesting. All right. So break time is coming up. This is the, this is the mandatory break here is the, the whole top of the hour. So we got a whole five-minute break, and what I want to let you guys know is go get coffee, do whatever you got to do, come on back. We have Mike Belford here from A&Some Solar. We're going to... We're going to go through this a little bit more depth and um, talk more about the, the value of solar and the just, the, I think, the future of energy and how we're using it at home. So take a short break here. We'll be back in about five minutes for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. She packed my bags last night, we fly. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out in space on such a time. Best flight And I think it's gonna be a long, long time The touchdown brings me round again to find 
makes this a really difficult song to sing over i'll tell you or to yeah. talk over yeah what a great song yeah <clears throat> yeah i don't know when it comes out but i don't think it's out yet um all right those of you just joining us thanks for tuning in we got mike belford on the show here today he's am sun solar um, Mike's mission okay. is to no, just no, get no, out no. there and help people understand um, the point of, of going solar. And I get it. This is why I was excited to have you on the radio show today, is that your business is a lot like mine. Um, this is hard to convey in 30 seconds, like a radio commercial, right? Um, probably pretty boring content for people that just want to read if you're going to go read about this um but well, i'm a nerd i love it it's not boring to me but for most people probably yeah i think for the average consumer and you know and then also it's one of those things too where man doesn't everybody do solar right now you go to costco and they're breathing down your throat and also um so there's a lot of people that are offering solar and it's hard to understand who's who and what's what and the other thing too is um Man, they were going through and handing out these solar leases like um, like hotcakes a few years back. And arguably, the leases were, I just thought, not great. Um, if you were leasing that power, it's like, oh, well, you were paying PG&E 200 bucks a month. So what does charge you 100 bucks a month and lock you in at that? So you just get to save 50% off your power bill indefinitely going forward. And it was like, mm, is that really that smart? I like that you're alleviating those increases, but you also just kind of hosed yourself too, and now you did a 20-year agreement or something. Um, so there's there's all these things that it's like it's hard to get some real straight talk on it, and um, that's the thing I think that there's a, a real value to this format. So um, I think the the first the first question is why don't you address that first, Mike, to lease or to buy? Buy. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of leases. Um, they had their place for a while. There was no way to get solar financed unless you went with a lease. So it was really the only game in town. Why? Uh, because it, back when the markets crashed, oh seven, oh eight, everybody prior to that was leveraging home equity in order to fund their their solar. Uh huh. And so suddenly nobody had any home equity, and the the products that were available to leverage that home equity were were not available either. And so there was just no way to do it. So the solar companies would suffer not having solar to put on because people couldn't buy it unless oh, they... nobody was buying because there just wasn't a way to do it. So the way to do it then is to say, hey, well, we have another option for you. Lease and it, it was the lease, yeah. And today, lease is going the way of the dodo bird, I think. I mean, some guys are still doing it. Uh, I have a product that's a lot like a lease that is in our bag of tricks, but I don't bring it out very often. It's really dictated by the situation. I think the only time a lease really makes sense uh, is if a person can't leverage the 30% tax credit that's available. Uh, because oh. the, the company that's offering the lease, they will take the tax credit and the accelerated depreciation on the equipment over a period of seven years and uh, and sort of pass that savings along 
to the consumer. Got it. So for some people, that's really the only option, and it still benefits them. So it's a good thing, but it's not when when you compare leasing to outright purchase through a more conventional loan, uh, the loans are a lot better. I do have a question from a listener too. He's saying about what are the benefits about having an electric car? How do you how do you kind of work that into it when you when you have a solar system? How what is there anything they need to kind of be aware of? Uh, I love that question. Car into it. Yeah, I find myself talking about electric vehicles every day, and I love it because it's a, it's a great concept. When you can make your own fuel, essentially with equipment that you own, and you're insulated from outside costs on that, that's a that's a really cool situation. I mean, imagine if you wanted to put enough solar on your house to uh, meet all of your electrical demand for your home and all of your fuel demand for your car and have maybe a payment on that that's less than you were paying for your electricity bill. Or just your fuel. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're saving all that fuel cost. And electric vehicles, I think, you know, look, we're headed that way. I predict 35% of the vehicle fleet will be electric in the next decade. Maybe not so much here, but more in metro areas, I think yeah. so. Um, they have fewer moving parts. They last longer. It's just the way the future is going to be. So we talk a lot about electric vehicles. The most common question I get from people is how many panels will it take? And the variables there are which vehicle do you have? Because they all get, you know. How much do you drive? And how, you know, in which manner do you drive? And how many miles uh, per year do you drive? But I have a calculator made up where, you know, I can study all those variables and tell you just exactly how much solar you would need. Generally, for the average person, it's around five to six panels worth of solar. For one vehicle? For one vehicle. Okay. That, that drives about 12,000 miles a year say, a Chevy Bolt or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I shared with you, I didn't I didn't size my system out to be able to fit that. And so um, I hit this point where, and again, it was the way that I did it, was like we were looking at um, the next size inverter to be able to accommodate more panels was such a price jump that there was a diminished return and it was already exceeding what I needed. And so I just ended up saying, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. And, um, now I'm hoping that going forward that there's more, when we all do have electric cars, maybe there'll be charging options everywhere. There are more and more driving occurrence during the daytime. Right. So, I got to imagine that because that's when solar is obviously generating its power, that most everywhere you park at some point is going to have a a reduced or free way of charging during daylight hours, I would think. Right. You see them at Target and you see them, you know, really everywhere, uh, universities, uh, different, you know, state employers, you know, they're everywhere. Uh, as there become more electric vehicles in the fleet, those will be occupied. Most of all, charging is done at home. Uh, one thing that's really important with an electric vehicle as it pertains to solar, if you're, if you're fueling your electric vehicle with solar energy at your home, you have to be very careful that you're on the right rate plan mm. and also that you're shifting that load to the proper time of day, which in this case would be after midnight. It's very easy to do, though, because each of these vehicles have an onboard controller that allow you to set when the charge occurs. Right. Interesting. Um, you breezed by something earlier that I want to circle back to because I think it's super important is 30% tax credit. 
Right. I don't can I close assume... that electric vehicle thing, though? Like yeah, in, yeah. Uh, I'm getting a lot of calls from people that are in your situation where they've already got solar, but now they're thinking of an electric vehicle, and so they don't have enough solar. And we really specialize in being able a lot of a lot of solar installers will not come back and change the system once it's installed, especially the big national brands that you meet at like sure. Costco and such. Uh, but we will. So it's a it's a pretty easy thing to look at somebody's Swap system. Swap out be, the inverter and add a couple panels and Or maybe just add a system in parallel next to the other system with a separate inverter. And you can get the inverter that's also a car charger as well. Um, so there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. We look at every situation as a custom situation. So if anybody's, if any of your listeners have that situation, uh, I'll be happy to, to do a free consultation and see what it would take. I imagine there's some people that have been told no, that you can't do that, that you can't modify or run in parallel or do something by one of those big companies. A lot of people have been told we that. See yeah. that. We see that in our business a lot is that like, you know, one of the big national banks will just tell you no. Your your debt to income ratio is too high, and it turns out that it's not too high at all. It's just too high for them, right? And so for us, it's like, well, pff, that's our bread and butter. Um, we're grateful that those are things that they won't do because not only do we do it, but it's it's completely acceptable to do it that way. It's just a for whatever reason they've drawn this line. It's like they're bored. I think when you're run by, I think of it this way: like when you're run by a board, you know, picture that boardroom full of all the suits that are like. You know, well, where do we draw the line? Well, it's a hard stop here. And it may not even be fully based in logic, but they just come up with these rules where they just, no, we don't do that. So, All right. Okay, cool. So is that that then? Yeah, those big national brands, um, they're really more finance companies than they are solar installers. There's less emphasis on the local installers, and a lot of times they're subbing them out. And that's really the difference between a company like ours who are based here and operate just locally is that uh, you know we offer financing, but we don't make any money that way. We're just using it as a way to help serve our customer. Uh, our bread and butter comes from installing solar and maintaining it and serving it over time. Right. So yeah, we're more than happy to come out and look at any old system, regardless of who installed it originally, and see what we can do to bring it up to date. Awesome. So. I have a few questions for you. Oh, great. So huh? is there like a minimum? bill amount per month where it starts to make sense to add solar or you know where where do you begin thinking should i am i the right candidate for solar is it based on your your monthly bill amount um how how should someone think about that that's a great question um that's a question that comes up every day and uh it it's different in every circumstance. It really depends on what's motivating people for solar. If they're motivated by a greater good component or environmental, you know, the threshold would be lower for Assuming them. it's just the greater good component isn't the factor. It's, it's just financial economics. Yeah. Dollars and cents. Um, depending on site specifics, I would say that right around $100 a month or $120 a month, that's where you're going to start to find a sweet payoff. The higher your bill, the more rapidly... Uh, the more dramatically you'll you'll find your payoff. Okay, and so you're looking at a break-even point within a certain number of years is kind of how you're justifying that. Yeah, it just depends on how people are paying for it. So obviously, if you have cash uh, in hand to just go ahead and pay cash for the system, you're going to find your your quickest payoff. But if you're financing it because of the interest and fees associated with financing, you're not really looking for a number of years to pay off. You're looking for a can I bring a consistency to my electric bill? Because, you know, your electric bill varies, but your loan payment would not. Okay. So you're, you're making that more consistent 
you're paying you're trying to pay less for your loan payment than you were paying on average uh, monthly for for electricity and then at the end of the term of the loan you're free and clear so that's where you really get return okay what kind of maintenance is involved with with solar panels very little i mean you you do want to keep them clean and no you don't want to squirt them off with a hose because water deposits make a bigger problem than dust um, but, you know, they lay there. They don't have any moving parts. They're in a fixed position. There's very, very little maintenance. And, you know, when I say maintenance, I'm really talking about responding to when something is malfunctioned. And okay. that, that's something okay. that we do. But the homeowner really doesn't have to do much. And if you, and as it comes to, uh, in relation to cleaning the panels, you really, it's probably a good idea to have them cleaned by uh, a window cleaning service. Because they're going to want to use the deionized water or whatever it is that they use that uh, doesn't leave water deposits behind. Do you do that annually or is that even too often? You know, they don't need as much as we originally thought they would need back in the old days. Um, we thought it was going to be a bigger thing than, than it turned out to be. Um, rainwater does a pretty good job of cleaning them. The advancements in the framing have, have made it so that there's weeps that allow the rainwater to take the debris off and get it out of there. Mm. Uh, so, you know, around here, we only get rain a certain number of months per year. Less Everyone rain just might got be. a free cleaning. Right. Everybody got <laughs> clean. Um, so I'd say probably, you know, September, October, you might be looking to clean because, you know, that by then you've got enough build up there somewhere in the summer. Maybe if you're on a ranch, you might have to have them clean more often. Okay. Now you're freaking me out, dude. I rinsed mine off like three times with the garden hose. Oh no. No, you're okay. I mean, uh, I wouldn't keep doing that. Well, so I you do got hard live, water. I do live in a really dusty place, mm-hmm. and I do have hard water. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like look up there. My solar panels aren't supposed to be brown and non-reflective, right? And I'm like, dang, those things are super dirty. So I just drag the ladder over there, go up, and give them a quick hose down. I could see on my app that my production goes up by as much as ten percent when they're really dusty. Uh-huh. So. Well, I mean, did you squeegee them off? No. Come well, on. Okay. <laughs> um, I wouldn't do that anymore. I won't. Yeah. I mean, Get you can squeegee them off. Just whatever doesn't leave a hard water deposit behind is what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. Did we skip that 30% tax credit? I want to make sure we didn't. We haven't circled one. back to that yeah. yet. I'm ready to talk about that. Did I Are answer you? your question? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, I, I I have more questions, though. Oh. Um. Th- so do panels work better when they're brand new versus after a year, two years, 15 years, 20 years? They do. That's a great question. What's, how's that? Like, what's the efficiency of the panel, you know, as years go on? Um, panels are warrantied for 25 years. Okay. Um, and so that's a long time. When you're going solar, you're, you're looking at, you're going to have this stuff for a long time. We don't even um, own houses for 25 years. Right. Well, somebody that's will have changing. it. Somebody <laughs> else will own it maybe, but it's changing. Um, so the panels are warranted for 25 years and the way it works is that they guarantee that they'll give you X percent of power after 25 years. And the X percent is either 80 or 85%, depending on the manufacturer of the panel. So yes, in the first year they're going nuts. I mean, you put a panel up and and it, it produces really high compared to what it will be, but that first year it burns in and loses quite a bit compared to what it will lose in years later. So you're going to lose two or three uh, uh, percent of the production off a panel in the first year, and then after that, it it mellows out where you're going to get about point uh, half a percent of production degradation each year for the next twenty years. Okay, is there is there something to do with the source of power? Like, is is there a 
Yeah, uh, Dan, it's the sun. Well, it's I mean, I mean, like the quality is the quality <laughs> of the electricity generated. Is there is there different grades of quality of electricity? Like if you're like, say, for instance, you have the option of charging your cell phone in your car off the car battery at home off a outlet or, you know, off of sun produced solar power. Is there a difference in the quality of the different sources? Um, yes and no. Uh, the, the, the shorter, simpler answer is no, not really. Um, when you make solar power with a solar panel, you're making DC power. And depending on how much sun it's getting at that moment uh, is, dictates how much production you're getting from each panel. But all of that is solved, depending on how you do it, by things either optimizers or the inverter. The inverter takes that power and converts that DC power over to AC power and makes it suitable for use in your home. So if, it's, if the power coming from the panel is not of sufficient quantity or quality to fire the inverter, it, it just won't fire. Okay. So you're protected that way. Where do the panels that you install, where are they made? Uh, we have a, a variety of different manufacturers that we use. Some are made in the United States. Uh, some are made outside of the U.S. in Korea, for example, and China. But the important thing to know is that regardless of who's assembling the panel, all of the silicone wafers are made in China. Okay. They all are. So you're not getting a truly American-made product regardless. You know, we offer some, – some consumers really desire things that are made in America, and we have that option. But even the parts within those panels are not made in America. They're okay. just assembled here. Has the whole China trade – stuff that's been going on the last year has that affected the price of panels it did there's a tariff on solar panels and uh you know it sent kind of a shock wave through the through the industry uh, we were more worried than we needed to be as it turned out it didn't really affect the overall price of solar as much as we worried it would uh there have been some some more tariffs that were scheduled to go and then suspended because of the talks that are going on so you know solar pricing is a little bit volatile mm -hmm. in terms of you know what's available and at what price so if any of the listeners have looked at solar before and decided, well, you know, it just doesn't work out financially, it might be time to do it again because prices are pretty low right now. I was just going to ask, as far as like the, the pricing history of solar, um, where are we at today? Are we in a good spot? Is it, you know, more expensive than it used to be? Where are we at in that? This might sound cliche, but the best time to do solar was in recent past. I mean, just before the end of last year was a great time to go. Prices are up just a blip. Since then, the second best time to go solar is now. Okay. Uh, to give you a frame of reference, when I first started in the industry in 07, we were designing and selling systems between 12, right around $12 per DC watt installed. And today we're between 3 and $4 per DC watt. So you're looking at a fourth of the price in, what, 11 years? Okay. 12 years. So 30% tax credits. What's that all about? Yeah, so a big component of the uh, financial consideration for solar is that 30% tax credit. And this is the final year that it will be a 30% tax credit. After this year, next year it goes to 26%. The following year it goes to 22%, and then it's gone. So um, what the tax credit is, and it's different from a tax deduction. It's a tax credit. So this comes off of your total tax liability. So if you owe $10,000 in taxes based on the income you earned. And after all your deductions are figured in, your bottom line is, okay, I owe the IRS 10000 Uh I paid in 10000 bucks, so they don't owe me. I don't owe them. But if I had a solar tax credit of, say, $3,000, 
then the, then the IRS then owes me $3,000. So it's a dollar-for-dollar dollar offset of what is owed or what you've already paid to the government. It's a tax credit. It comes off their, your tax It's not liability. reducing your taxable income by three grand. It's actually... Reducing your tax liability. Gotcha. That's correct. That's the, the net amount. So it's, it's powerful. How so, long? Wait. That expires <laughs> when? At the end of this year, it starts to go down. And you don't think that's something that's going to get renewed? Why would it? Man, I hope so. But, I, you know, who knows? Nobody to has a crystal ball. Um, I don't know. I, you look, just given the current political climate, I don't think so. I think, look, if, if people are looking to go solar, they ought to be thinking this is the year we're going to do it if we want to take full advantage of that incentive. Hmm. Well, especially, I mean, there's other reasons you might, too. One is, um, you know, we keep talking about interest rates have dipped a little bit. So if you need to, to haul out, Twenty or thirty thousand bucks for a solar system. Take that out of your equity. You should do it before rates go up even further. They're projected to. Um, some people don't need to use the equity in their home to be able to to pay for solar. I get that, but for the folks that are staring at that, um, and by the way, a hundred thousand dollars of mortgage at today's interest rates spread out into that thirty-year loan. Um, you know, it's probably about. 500 bucks a month or so. So if we look at 50,000 bucks then costing 250 bucks, a $50,000 solar system is going to way outproduce what a $250 electric bill would be. Oh yeah. Like big time. by big big big. In fact, a $50,000 solar system I'd venture to say like Jim was talking about earlier like ranch that are using well pumps. A fifty thousand dollars solar system might be necessary in that application. Yeah, six hundred fifty to seven hundred dollars worth of electric bill. Yeah, so it's better. so it's far in excess of what the average household in our area needs. Mm-hmm. So point is, there's some affordability there. Again, that's I'm I'm adding that as color as to why this might be the right year to do it. Well, and there's another aspect of the tax credit that a lot of people don't know about. Um, if you're thinking about putting solar on your roof and you need some roofing work done. Um, that is considered solar preparation. And so some or all of the cost of that project can uh, take the tax credit as well. Hmm. Or, for example, if you want to do like a raised mount structure, let's say you're on a rural property and you need a place to park your tractor. I want a pole barn. Yeah. So we'll build that and put solar on top of it, and you can take the tax credit on the structure as well because hmm. we built it for the solar. So if you were going to buy a pole barn or something anyway to stack your hay or to park your RV or hmm. – one of those things, this could be a really good way to do it. Yeah, where else are you going to get 30% credit on that? If you're you do not. it with solar, you get it. Otherwise, you, I can't think of a way you would get 30% back on that. You're not, Yeah, which is a tremendous savings. Yeah. That that makes it another great deal. But again, that's for somebody that's after that kind of thing, right? If you sure. were going to do that anyway. Right. Um, it also it has to be on a permitted structure too, right? It does have to be permitted, and yeah. so like if you're if you've got a structure you're thinking of slapping solar on, if it's not permitted, you're going to run into troubles and costs on that. Have to go back and figure out how to do a retro permit to it to get them agreed to put the solar on it. Right, and that, oftentimes that involves engineering and you know fees and fines. So in that case, you might even be better off to build a new structure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the. Uh, the middle of the break time, and um, I want to – are you in a hurry to get out of here? No. I was going to usher you out of here at 1030. I kind of feel like I'd like to have you stick around. I think we should probably solicit some folks to call and ask yeah, questions do and, that. and do that kind of thing. So if any of you guys are listening right now and you want to weigh in, ask a question, get a clarification on something that we've been talking about, the number of the studio here is 543-8830. Uh, Mike – 
would be happy to answer your questions for you. I, I think a lot of them can be answered just shooting from the hip here, but if they're a great question, I'm sure you could get back with them. So Absolutely. Let's hear it. If any of you guys have any questions for Mike, want to ask a solar question, 543-8830. Let's do a quick commercial break here, and we'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending, and I want to thank you for supporting us these past 11 years. We have helped thousands of local residents buy and refinance homes here on the Central Coast, and we couldn't have done it without you. We are sincerely grateful and look forward to serving you for many years to come. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California DBO number 605-473. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Extending Mike's stay here on the show a little bit longer, I think mainly because, uh, I mean, I'm interested in the conversation for sure. I think it's super relevant. So we have a phone call here. I want to remind you guys, if you have a question for Mike, a question about solar or a comment, 543-8830 is the number to call. Let's take the first call here. Um, who's calling? 
got Mike Hi, in Paso Robles. This is uh, Brian from Paso Robles. Brian from Paso Robles. Hey, uh, so I have sort of a two-part question, but it relates sort of the same thing. It's kind of about quality. Um, I know that a lot of solar companies, they pretty much, you know, do the same thing. Uh, and there's a couple of them here in the Central Coast, and there's some big ones and local ones. And kind of what are some of the things that I need to look out for or ask solar companies when I'm talking to them? And then secondly, is there any difference between, a, like, American-made and, and overseas panels? That's a great question. Uh, actually, two questions, Brian. Thank you. Um, you're, you're, when you're dealing with solar, you're about to install things that are uh, they're, they're supposed to last for 25 years. And the warranty covers 25 years, and that's a manufacturer's warranty. So one of the first things I would be uh, wondering about when I'm selecting a contractor is, do I think they're going to be around in 25 years? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Yeah, right. Um, You know, are are they putting the things in place to sustain themselves over the longer haul? A lot of times with contractors, you don't really see that. That, so that's very important. Of course, you're going to want to make sure they've got the pr- appropriate licensing and the appropriate insurances. Uh, also, if you've got uh, people working on your roof, you want to make sure that they're actually employed by the company and not a, an independent contractor or some other arrangement because of all the insurances that are involved. You want to make sure that the, the actual people on the roof are, are covered by the right types of insurance. Um, you Look, there's a lot of different types of restaurants, and you know, there's not, not every – contractor is a good fit for every homeowner um you know so that's that's why there's some variety out there but i do think you want to pair the contractor with the level of service you hope to achieve and by service i mean you know like you you mentioned earlier jason with the question of you know which rate plan do i want you know you you need a contractor that's going to do more than just slap some panels on your roof you you need people that are going to be able to work with you and help you and answer your questions later when you get a true up bill uh, or if you think if you receive a big true up bill that was surprising, you want to have a company that's willing to come out and service their stuff. Yeah. Uh, as to the quality um, difference between U.S. made and Asian made or German made, I look at it through the lens of production and whether. Well, and again, the, on that note, the warranty makes a big difference because uh, it's a manufacturer's warranty. Do you think the manufacturer is going to be around in twenty five years? That that's a question as well. Um, but, you know, from a production standpoint, as long as you're in the high-quality realm, there are a lot of offerings there. It doesn't have to be super premium quality. I think they're all about the same, whether they're U.S.-made or not. That's, that's awesome. Cool. So, wow, that was really helpful. Uh, does does uh, and When I'm deciding to actually make the purchase, uh, are there uh, financing options for all kinds of different credits or like, do I have to put any money out of pocket or I've heard different people talk about free solar. What, what's that all about? Uh, free solar is kind of a hoax. Um, I mean, I think it's misleading. Nothing in this world is free. There are a lot of financing options that are nothing down, but you do pay for them. And there are options for people with all different credit statuses. Uh, so yeah, there's a wide range of options when it comes to financing. Brian, thanks very much for your phone call and your questions today. We really appreciate it. We got uh, some other callers to get to, so we want to go ahead and do that. Thanks, Brian. Um, if you guys want to call in and ask a question here before the show's over, you better get going. Five four three eight eight three zero is the number. We have Robin calling from Atascadero. Robin, good morning. Good morning. Um, I wanted to know. I'm looking to upgrade uh, my panels. Um, I had them originally put in in 2003. 
And do you still get the uh, 30% tax credit? Yes, you do. You upgrade? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and then also, does the state also uh, give you a, a rebate or a tax credit also? No. Back when you originally purchased, the, a big part of the uh, financial consideration was the state-funded rebate, and that uh-huh. has been all used up. So now we're just left with the federal tax credit. Okay. Hey, so I'll be happy to... Robin, can I ask you a question before you go? Sure. Um, when Have you asked anybody else about potentially upgrading your panels and, and gotten the no yeah. response like we were talking about earlier? Gotten a no response? Yeah, that that they didn't want to do the just the panel upgrade without doing a whole new system? Well, no. We already knew that we'd have to have a new inverter and stuff like that just because... At that time, we could only get a hold of, like, say, 100-watt um, panels at the time. Got and it. So we knew uh, that we'd have to upgrade the whole system if we went bigger. So, yeah, no, we've had a couple of people out here, and I was just uh, curious with the information about the credit and all. We'd love to throw our hat in the ring for that as well. If you'd like to call us up, I can come out and give you a, a, free, cons- a free estimate or quote proposal. Okay, great. Sandy, I appreciate that. All right. Thank you for your call, Robin. And again, that uh, 30% tax credit, it expires at the end of this year, right? Well, so it starts going it starts down. to decrease. Right. What uh, does it go down to next year? 26% next year, 22% the following, and then it's gone. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> we, we did have a call. You were giving me the call saying we had a call about whether or not this is going to be on your website. Yes, yes. All of, the, all of the Mortgage Matters <laughs> episodes end up on... You can access them through our website. They're on a SoundCloud page, so you can download them for you know when you're at the gym or, or you can stream, them, stream yeah, them later. Kind of so yeah, I, definitely. I usually, it's usually send it to you guys right after the show, and then it gets posted. Uh, I want to say Monday or Tuesday. We always post them as soon as we can. Yeah, it's usually on Monday. Okay. Maybe for that last caller's benefit, I should have given out my yeah, number. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can be reached at eight zero five seven six nine forty nine eighty seven seven six nine forty nine. 87 and that rings directly to me you don't have to go through the company switchboard anybody that's driving right now too don't forget that if you couldn't write that down and you forget it you can always call us and we'll point you back to mike um i have his contact information with me so if you call us 543 loan we can send you mike's info so mike one of the callers brought up um the issue of or in your response you brought up you know using someone who you think is going to be around in 25 years um, either the manufacturer or the actual contractor installer, that's a hard thing to predict for just the average homeowner. There's a lot of consolidation in the solar industry. It is. You know, as as solar companies, you know, get purchased by a larger company, does that, do the agreements, the maintenance contracts, those kinds of things, do they transfer with that purchase? Does the the purchaser of the solar system, do they have that confidence that just acquisition of a solar company will maintain their agreements because that, that kind of stuff's hard to predict. Yeah, there's generally aren't any um, maintenance agreements in place that would have to transfer. Uh, the question is that of a manufacturer's warranty. So if, uh, like, let's say our company goes and installs a system and then there's a problem with a, a part of it, um, generally we know before the homeowner does because we're monitoring as well. That's one of the services we provide that a lot of people don't. Um, but we would go out and look at it. The manufacturer covers the cost of the equipment that needs to be replaced, but they do not cover the cost of the labor. We do. 
And so I can imagine that if you buy solar from a, a contractor who then goes out of business or gets or consolidates with another business, they may not be willing to, to eat the labor component of that warranty work. Uh, we've never charged for warranty work on a manufacturer's warranty. Uh, but, you know, it's nobody has a crystal ball. It's tough to tell what might happen in the future. Good point. Sometimes I feel like um, – because I, I contemplated these things with mine, right? And, um, and again, I, I wish that I had worked through you and, and had more of your expertise. What I did was a more hodgepodgey kind of thing where I had a lot of questions and uncertainty even remaining today. I'm happy that I can use you as a resource now to, to help answer some of these questions for me. But um, – Part of it for me was just like, man, that's a that's an ambitious warranty. Twenty five years. That's a long time. Uh, makes me world. think you're very confident, um, which also made me think, man, it must be like these things must be pretty dependable because usually warranties are, you know, the shorter the warranty is, usually the crappier the product, right? That's yeah, a rule of thumb. They yeah. don't want to be on the hook for it that long. Right. So <laughs> how much? How much? Um, there probably isn't a whole lot of warranty work, though, right? These things don't really have moving parts. I could see inverters only usually what? They have like a five- or ten-year warranty period, something like that? Uh, inverters are warranted normally. The, the standard warranty for an inverter is 12 years. Okay. Uh, the microinverters that go on the back of the individual panels are warranted for 25 years. Oh, wow. Because they're on the back of the panel, so they, they need to be able to last that long. Um, and, you know, that's the warranty. We're seeing that they're lasting longer than the warranty. You know, as you would expect. So you ought to figure to get 30 years plus out of some solar panels. But, yeah, the, the inverter it will not last as long as the panel because it's got moving, you know, not moving parts. It's a solid-state object, but it's got a lot of gizmos inside there that can go wrong. Right. Um, anybody else wanting to ask a question of Mike? You're uh, running here to your last opportunity, 543 Mike, of course, sales consultant with AM Sun Solar, locally owned and operated, born and raised in a Tascadero company. That's pretty cool. Um, I understand you guys have moved your headquarters to Paso, and I get it as the why, but I, I love that it's a local company. Um, and with 50 people, um, that's a pretty good outfit, isn't it? I mean, that's a big company. I've worked for other contractors before, and I am – Super stoked about AM Sun Solar. They do more. I mean, look, when you work in the trades, you generally don't have access to things like benefits. You know, and that's one of the things I'm really proud about our company. They offer a 401k with generous sharing or matching. Um, you know, medical, uh, vision, dental, and the vision and dental are free of charge. Oh, and by the way, we're hiring. We're looking for installers. If anybody knows of any electricians that are looking for work. That can be, uh, look, it, it could be unskilled younger guys looking for an entry-level thing, or it could be all the way up to the journeyman electrician, sure. Cool. Sweet. We're also looking for a draftsperson, entry-level, willing to train. We have another phone call. We have Joe calling from beautiful San Luis Obispo. Good morning, Joe. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Good morning. How are you doing? A um, question. I have, I'm on six acres down the Edna Valley, and I've got two meters. Mm-hmm. How does that all tie in together? Because I don't want you obviously don't tie the panels into both of the uh, the lines. Yeah, there's a process called aggregation. Uh, it's available right. through PG&E. We have done a lot of those. Not everybody offers that service. Uh, I'll be honest with you, though. A lot of our a lot of our clients that have used that nickname it aggravation because it takes longer than it should and it it's not as clean as it should be. 
But it, that is the solution. Aggregation would combine those two meters so you can generate from one and, and serve them both. Okay. Because the meters are like four or 500 feet apart. Sure. They don't have to be physically connected with aggregation. It's just letting PG&E know that, okay, this meter number is the one that's receiving the solar, and we want to allocate it over to this meter and that meter. And we'll be happy to work with you directly on that and explain it more. And I've got some documents that would really provide uh, more thorough information I could get to you. Um, if, if you want to call me at 805-769-4987, or you can email me at solarmike805 at gmail.com. Okay, so let's, let me ask you, let's say you um, only half your electric bill comes out of one of those lines, but when you put the solar system in, you probably want to go over 100% of your usage now because, like you said, the panels drop off, and you may increase your usage in the future. I generally so go does, a little over, yeah. Yeah, so does that, it doesn't matter that you're putting in way more power than you're taking out of that one particular line? It would matter if you weren't aggregated. Yes. Right. I'm saying, but if you do aggregate it, it's not an issue. It's not an issue, right. It's for that okay. situation specifically. How long does it usually take to get PG&E to get off the diamond? Uh... About four months. Four months, okay. Yeah, which is way too slow in my mind, but that's about how long it takes. So what happens then, let's say you're putting in $400 worth of juice and you're only using 200 on that line. You used to lose that 200 difference? Uh, no, with net metering, I mean... You're looking to net zero at the end of a year. So some months you're going to run behind, other months you're going to run ahead. You're so looking, put it in right. during the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're looking at a, a year's time to, to net it out. So, you know, if okay. we size it properly, you'll you'll wind up at net zero or more or less at the end of the year. And what's a good size to go over your current usage, 10% over, something like that? It, I like. I look at every client as a unique puzzle, and so it, it really begs some discussion about what you see in your future. Do you see this happening or that appliance coming? Or And so, you know, we just have a conversation and then arrive at what seems the best for you. Okay. 110% of current usage is a common one. Some people go more than that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks very much, Mike. Appreciate the chance. Talk You're welcome. You. Thanks, Mike. Joe, thank you very much for your phone call. We really appreciate your interaction with the show. Uh, we have another phone call to go to. We have Brian calling from Moro Gray. <laughs> hey, Brian. <laughs> Hello. Um, I have a, It's kind of a two-part question. We do some farming, and we have several, several wells on different meters. Can we, um, and also rentals on, on different meters, so we have a total of five or six meters. And in the, you know, in the summertime, it gets up to a couple of grand a month for our electricity needs. Can we conglomerate that all into one system? And if we can, I don't have any place really close to these meters that makes a lot of sense to put in a system, but I'd like to put a pole barn in. And does, I mean, do we have to feed right back in where we're pulling the power out? Um, I guess would be the other part of my question. Yeah, thanks for the. That's a great question, Brian. We get that a lot. Uh, similar to the last caller, Joe's question uh, was similar. You, your solution lies in aggregation, and it's a process we can help you with. I would not tackle it without the help of a professional because it's very frustrating and very confusing and slow. But uh, yes, we could construct a, uh, a some sort of a structure that sorts uh, that supports enough of a system to feed all of your. Uh, all of your demand in all of the locations, and and we could feed all that power into one meter, and then tell PG&E how to allocate that um, okay. amongst the meters. So it it's a pretty complicated process, but once it's going, then, then you're solved. Okay, okay. couple grand a month in power. That's got to be you. Got to be ready for this, huh? 
Brian, you should have solar. <laughs> you, you, out of anybody, you should have it. Brian, yeah. is it sunny in Morro Bay right now? It's beautiful out there. Actually, actually, I'm in Los Osos. So uh, it's, it's sunny. If it's sunny in Los Osos, I think it's sunny everywhere. Right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Hey, um, thanks so much for calling today. We appreciate your question. All right. Thank you very much. Um, Mike Belford. Uh, Mike can be reached at eight zero five seven six nine four nine eight seven. Um, I, I want to tell you guys that I know Mike personally, and um, Mike's a Mike's a cool dude, a straight shooter, and I think you probably got the sense of the the episode today that um, Mike's one of these guys. Mike, how long you been on the Central Coast? Sixteen years. Sixteen years, long enough. We'll, we'll consider you a resident, <laughs> um, Mike. Um, you're a Marine, veteran Marine. That's right, veteran Marine. So thank you for your service. Um, I think, you know, that speaks volumes about your character and, um, to a lot of people that makes a difference too. So some of you guys that are out there, at least you Marines, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Hoorah. Once you're, if you're a Marine and you're thinking about doing solar, um, reach out to Mike. You guys are, you guys share some of that common cloth and can sit down and, and talk this through in a way I, I think you'd be satisfied that, um, that's one of my my favorite things about you, Mike. You're not a you're not a smoke blower, dude. As long as I've known you, you've always been willing to um, set an appropriate expectation, right? I mean, in in that aggregation question, that's a great example of it. it the process sounds like a pain in the butt. I can think about some things in my business that are pain in the butt, and it doesn't mean I'm not willing to do it. But I just need you to know that's a little bit of a pain in the butt. It's going to take a while. Might get frustrating. Uh, we're committed to doing it with you, and just need to know that going in, have an appropriate expectation, so that by the end of it, you're not mad at me because I told you, hey, this is going to be you know a long process. We're all going to have to endure and keep our chins up while we work through it, right? So. That's an important thing. You've always been that kind of guy, that guy that um, is willing to set an appropriate expectation and then and then um, do what you say you're going to do. So I, I I appreciate that about you. Thanks. Um, and I also you know I just want everybody to know that if you feel like you need a comprehensive approach, like this the the last call that we had, uh, Brian from Morro Bay. Brian has a what. At the, you know, just limited information we got, sounds like kind of a complicated project. If in the summer months he's talking about $2,000 a month worth of energy bills, um, five different meters, you know, that that could work out to be something kind of expensive. Um, I shouldn't say expensive, but an investment that you would need to consider and also have a game plan of how to tackle that. So um those things, you know, I just want to say is that we, we can offer a joint approach of figuring out if there's a financing option on our end, what that looks like. You know, so sometimes there's some energy efficient mortgages that can be used. Sometimes it's just a simple line of credit that we might need to place to get you access to that equity. Sometimes it makes good sense to do just a cash out refi where you redo whatever your loan balance is, taking out the additional cash that you need. There can be some advantages to that. Um, in, in again, in this world, there's no one size fits all. It takes 
careful consideration of maybe what the six different options are and, and trying to tie into your cash flow, your income, your game plan. When do you need to retire? Um, are you expecting inheritance or the sale of another property or a business? There's a lot that goes into the analysis that tells us how to give you advice as to what the best ways to access money would be. Um, and so I feel like with that, if you work um, with AM Sun Solar and Central Coast Lending, you could get a, a little crafty package of what the right fit is for you. Um, I got the sense of it today from you, Mike, um, and I'm sure people did as well. Is there's no there's no one size fits all, is there? It's got to be a custom solution every time. Every time, and um, and I would venture to say that most of the time. Um, money plays into it too, right? As not a lot of people have a check that they can afford to write. Like you said, if it's three to four bucks a kilowatt and you need a six kilowatt system and you're talking roughly ballparky, you know, 20,000 bucks ish, give or take 10% probably to be able to do a system like that. Do you have a $20,000 check to write today? Um, I think many people don't. Uh, It's one of those things where, you you need to approach this from that bigger global standpoint and figure out how to solve all these problems in one. You mentioned that hundred, hundred and twenty bucks a month is a good jump even jump off point for people to to start this conversation with you um if their motivation is strictly financial. Yeah, I'd say if you're just looking at the financial end of it, you'll find a, a respectable payoff starting at about a hundred bucks a month average electric bill. Yeah. Um, so there's people that are listening right now that own their house and their electric bills, 200 bucks a month, 250 bucks a month. That's not unheard of. Um, they're in the sweet spot. If, if you have a bill like that, you find that the payoff comes very quickly. It's a very compelling case. Yeah. While we were talking, Mike, I pulled up, um, my original solar proposal and, the cost of doing nothing was my utility cost over a 25-year period. And just keeping up on doing, just paying PG&E and dealing with... For the same amount of usage, nothing changed on that end of it. Nothing changed, just chipping away going forward. Um, my cost of doing nothing is $91,000. And, um, you know, I look at my house, I may not be in my house for 25 years, but... I also know that when I sell my house, the next owners are going to look at that and say, dang, it has the, value. the solar's on there, and I, don't, I can buy this house without considering a PG&E bill. And like I was saying before, if 50000 bucks of mortgage is 250 bucks a month, not having a PG&E bill from just that cash flow perspective, that to me means, well, that's $50,000 worth of purchase power on the house. Absolutely. And I know that somebody's not going to walk up and just pay me $50,000 more for my house because it has solar, but I'm realistic enough to know that if you're comparing me or the other house for sale across town that doesn't have solar, probably going to pick me, right? So it's a, it just adds to that marketability. It adds to the effectiveness. And then also you know, it's reducing that carbon footprint, which um, to some people that is a bigger driver than is the dollars and cents of it all. Absolutely. It is. It genuinely is for the greater good. You're you're helping your community, your neighbors, you know, everybody. Yep. Um, Mike, 
I look forward to having you on the show again. Thanks so much for having the, me. It's a in great the near time. Future, uh, great conversation. You have a great voice for radio too. Oh, thanks. I didn't even pick up on any verbal tics or anything. Usually, <laughs> we get people that have um or you know. So we'll have to listen back and see where your verbal tics are. There's got to be one in There's there. There's got to be something. Um, Mike Belford, AM Sun Solar. Uh, you can. Hit Mike up directly. The direct dials 805 769-4987. Again, if you're driving and you miss that and you can't write that down right now, you can download a copy of this from our website after Monday, or you can call us at the office and we'll pass you through to Mike. Um, 543-LOAN rings all of our offices. We'll make sure that we get you connected with Mike. Um, Guys, I, I do want to just reach out to you and let you know that if you're thinking about a refi or if you're thinking about buying a house, if you're thinking about construction or thinking about anything to do with home financing, uh, we'd love to be a resource for you. So 543 Loan rings all of our offices, or you can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Thanks again, Mike and AM Sun Solar. We'll have you back on again soon. Take care, everybody.